am I loud enough or too loud or not enough? Okay, good morning, everybody. You know God is in this place. Hallelujah. I get excited. Woo! Okay, uh, I'm not a person that stands often in front of people. I'm just, I hate to go and say it, but sometimes I'm a little phobic. I'm a person one-on-one. -on -one. But when the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and you have something to say, God says, I will give you the wisdom. I will just move you, and then here I am. Okay, uh, don't know, uh, I'm married, and I have a, do have a husband. His name is Paul. And Paul had uh, cancer. Um, he had a few little problems. He had a stroke, and God just kind of delivered him from him. And, you know, he's just, God has just been so a big part in our family, you know. So about uh, two months ago, Paul had to go in, and he uh, had to go and have to get an examination, and then found out that he has uh, bladder cancer first uh, stage, which is not all too bad. But, you know, you kind of think about it, kind of scares you a little bit. It's cancer. What a bad word, cancer. You don't like that. But so he got, uh, 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 the doctor removed uh, the cancer, and he said he had to come back, and I was fine. So he went two weeks ago, and the doctor had to see him another examination. He found another spot. So, and he, uh, he said that was cancerous, you know. So he said, I want to move this as soon as it's possible. So he'll move that at Tuesday. And uh, um, he came back. Paul was still in the uh, recovery room. And he came to me and had said, Erica, everything turned okay. But he said, I found no cancer. So I was a little bit uh, dumbfounded. I was almost numb. And I said, oh, and he said, normally they're going to also shoot some chemo in the area where he had the cancer to uh, stop it from growing. So that's what they like to try to do. So he said, he, I didn't have to do that. And I said, well, why? He said, because there was nothing there. And again, I was numb. So then he said, well, I'm going to talk to Paul in the uh, recovery room. So, and I was there with him, and then he again, he looked at Paul, he said, I found nothing, and I didn't have to uh, put the uh, chemo, you know, and, and he said, I, but I did take a uh, biopsy, just in case, but there was nothing there. But as a doctor, I can understand, he would go and do a biopsy to just check it out, you know what I mean, you know. Uh, and, and Paul just said, oh yeah, okay, and I still was numb. And I can almost say you of little faith, like Tom, you know. But again, at that time, he got a hold of me, and I rejoiced, you know. Uh, God is our healer, and that is in Psalm 103. Blessed, and that says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Hallelujah. And bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits. You know, we have benefits. Wow, Hallelujah. And not forget not all his benefits. He has forgiven all my sins. And he has healed us from all our diseases. And you know what? Is? That's a promise. And I stand on God's promise and, promise. and you know, I get excited. Hallelujah. Everybody with me here today? <laughs> Woo! And you know, we cannot forget God is in this house. When we were praying and worshiping, and again, there is that prayer that deep yearning, that deep yearning that comes from, from our within, from the soul. And what does God do with that? He says, with that, go and bless 
bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. But we want to bless the name of the Lord who is worthy to be praised forevermore. And I'm done because I put, I'm because the Holy Spirit is so at hand. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening. God heals, but we still believe in being careful. Amen. <laughs> well, Pastor Hillary's going to be sharing this morning on, on prayer. And we started last week a little series called Spiritual Training. And I felt like God was leading us to look at some practical ways how we are to bless the Lord, so to speak, and how we are to grow in our faith. And last week we talked about uh, coming together as the body of Christ. We, we The importance of, of training as a team and, and don't skip leg day. Don't, don't skip those opportunities to come together and to grow and be challenged in our faith. And so today we're going to be talking about prayer. And I just want to say before Pastor Earlier speaks, miracles begin and end with prayer. Begin and end with prayer. And prayer is not about God bless me. Prayer is about us blessing God. And as we bless God, as we worship, as we proclaim, he moves within that prayer. And, and Hillary called me Tuesday say, hey, I got some great news because we don't get that all the time. Oh, you're going to share that? Okay, I'll let you share that. I get excited. Amen. Stop talking. Stop talking. Stop talking. We have two preachers in the house, so you can imagine how much talking goes on. And then we have four kids, and they all inherited the talking genes from us, so it is never quiet at our home, ever. The kids even talk in their sleep, um, and I'm not kidding about that. No, I was excited when Erica, when, um, when Erica called me and told me what had happened. Um, I called Jared right away, because we need good news, all right? We hear a lot of bad news, because we are on the list. If something bad happens, people call us. It's like their mom and then us, which is awesome. Call us. We want to hear your bad news so we can pray for you, so we can help you, so we can do those things. So when we get the calls for the good news, we get extra excited. So when Erica called me and told me that, you know, they'd done the scan, and they saw that Paul's cancer was back, and then the doctor opens him up to remove it, and he found nothing. I mean, nothing. Not a spot, not a wrinkle, nothing that they call it spontaneous remission in the medical field, but we call it a miracle working of a powerful God, right? And, you know, that they, there had been prayer for Paul in the days leading up to that, that we prayed for, for Erica here, and we'd continue to pray for Paul. My kids prayed for Paul, and that God did this miraculous work in his life. And I said to Erica, I said, God brought your husband through a stroke, and now he's miraculously healed of cancer. Talk about the faithfulness of God. <laughs> you know, that God did these things. And so we can, we can trust and we can believe that whatever our situation, whatever's going on, that God is a God who still works miracles. God still answers prayer, that it's not something for somebody else, but it's something that happens here to us, to someone you know, <laughs> okay, that God moves. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are who you say you are. I thank you that you are the God of miracles, and I thank you, God, that you have called us into relationship with you, that we may know you. And I ask you today as we go into your words, as you open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to comprehend what you have for us, Lord, we just ask you to have your way today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going through a series, and um, last week, as Pastor Jared said, was talked about training day, about this idea of gathering together and the importance of not skipping leg day, as he called it. Get your legs up and get them walking to church, <laughs> that we would be here, and um, Gather together. And today, we're going to be talking about prayer. And the title of my message is called, What's Done in Secret? What's Done in Secret? And it's interesting that we live in a very public culture. 
it used to be that people didn't know what was going on in people's lives. It used to be that, you know, what happened in your family happened at home, that maybe if you went to someone's house and you saw the albums, you'd see pictures from birthdays and things like that. But now people post it all over the Internet for the whole world to see between Instagram and Facebook and all of these other things. Our, our world life has become public. And in addition to what we post, there's silent monitoring that goes on. When we have those, they talk about like the echo and uh, those little devices for those of you who don't know that people have in their home that they talk to. They record everything that goes on in the house. And they store it somewhere. And they, they taper ads to you based on the conversations you have at home. And they, they don't tell us what they're doing with this information, but more and more our lives, even our private lives, are being recorded and being presented to somebody. So somebody somewhere heard what you said. Somebody somewhere knows what you did, whether you posted on Facebook or not. I don't have one of those things in my home because, yeah, I, I, I read 1984. Anyway, so, <laughs> um, and my, my kids were asking me, like, why don't we have Alexa or whatever? I said, because enough women are getting bossed around and told to do things. We don't need to boss another one around in our house. <laughs> so I was like, we're done. We're not going to boss someone around. Okay, so um, that we're, things are, are public to the point where you hear people say photos or it didn't happen, Right. Right, Kevin? Put your phone down. Photos, or it didn't happen. <laughs> George Orwell, 1984. Most people read it in high school. It's a book. They have it at the library and on Kindle. Okay. okay. All right. There you go. All right, 1984. Um, so um, that's where the idea of Big Brother comes from. Okay. So um, anyway, so they say photos, or it didn't happen. Video, or it didn't happen. How many of you heard that? Right? That if someone can't see it, it didn't take place. And so we become public people, that if we don't show someone, did it really happen? It changes the way we think about things. If someone isn't there to witness what I ate for breakfast, did I really eat that for breakfast? Am I here if no one is watching me? Right? These concepts. And it, we see this happen in our faith, too, where the way that we are in front of others maybe one way, and the way we are when we're by ourselves is completely different. The scriptures talk a lot about our secret life, talk a lot about who we are when only God is looking. The scriptures tell us that God is omnipresent. His view would give the best surveillance technology envy because he sees, he hears, he knows your every thought, every thought all of it. He's present. And what God asks us to do in our faith is to be in secret the same Christian that we are pre presenting ourselves to be when we're in public. Our main topic, for, main thought for today is a relationship with God that only exists in public is not a relationship at all. Let me repeat that. A relationship with God that only exists in public is not a relationship at all. We have this thing in the church in America where people like to come to church on Sundays and put on a show. They put on their smiles. They put on their Sunday best. They come in and tell us how great their life is, how everything is good. They've got it together. They'll tell us one or two things that maybe they heard on Christian radio this week. They present this picture of this perfect Christian life, and then they go home, and it's not true. They get into secret, and it's not true. Because the only time they're praying is on Sunday when pastor asks everybody to pray. 
The only time they're thinking about what God wants from them is that few moments of challenge that they feel from the Sunday servant. And in secret, there is no relationship. If my relationship with my spouse was only what people saw in public, do I have a relationship with my spouse? No, I don't. I have, a, I have what we call a facade, a show, a trophy husband. Is that what we would <laughs> say? <laughs> this, these, this, this idea that one thing in person and one thing in private is not. The scriptures tell us in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 1, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father in heaven. Did you catch that? Let me read it again. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father in heaven. Because here's the reality. You may come and present this idea that, you know, you have this faith because you go to church once a week. But God knows you're full of it. I'm sorry. (laughs) He knows when we're playing games. He knows we're putting on a show. And just coming to church once a week. And this being your only engagement with faith and with God is not enough. It's not enough. This pattern of this once-a-week gathering That's only part of it, and it's important, and we talked about that last week. But what we do in secret, when no one is looking, that time that we invest with God when no one is around to cheer us on and to see the pictures and to hear what we're learning, that is where the real faith takes place. That is the real relationship takes place. That is where the real growth takes place. Matthew chapter 6 again, verse 5 says, When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into a private room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And the Father who sees you in secret will reward you. Now, this reward that's being talked about, yes, we, the scriptures tell us that when we get to heaven, there will be rewards for our faithfulness. But what do you think the reward God is talking about is when we go and we spend time with him? It's that relationship. God is our reward. Our relationship with God is our reward. That presence, that challenge, that transformation that comes from spending time alone with God in secret, that is the reward. When we stand in public, we get the praise of people. Oh, look at them. They're so holy. Look at, look at how she raises her hands. Look at how he claps. Oh, my goodness. He's excited to be here today. God must be doing a work in his life. But when they go home, there's nothing. And what God sees is in public, we get the praise of others, but in private, we get time in his presence. And God's presence is here, and God moves, and God moves among the people when we gather together and we earnestly seek him. Don't, don't let me discredit that. But if this is your only engagement, you're not in a relationship with God. If church is it, you're not in a relationship with God. If our daily life is not a life of longing, and I talked about this a few weeks ago, if our daily life is not filled with a drawing to go and be with God. And I'm not talking that we have to spend hours. But I tell you, I go through my day, and I'm not a morning person. I have never been a morning person. Even as a baby, I was not a morning person. And so I'm not one of those get up early and open my Bible people. Sunday is the only time I read my Bible in the morning because I need to before I go get my day going. Every other day for me, it's the middle of the day when my kids are sleeping. Once I've spent an hour trying to get my two-year-old to stay in his crib, 
I sit down and I open my Bible, and that's when I read my Bible, and that's when I pray. Because that's that time that I can spend with God, and I can dig in, and I can sit, and I can read the word, and I can soak in God's presence, and God speaks to me. In other years, my time with God was, it was the last thing I did. I'd go down to, to a prayer room, or I'd go to the couch, or I'd find a space, and I would be in the living room, and I would kneel down, and I would pray, and I would read the word into the night. Because I needed that with God, because my relationship with God is one of longing for more, for deep with him. And as believers, we are called to pray. We are told to pray. Prayer is who we are. If we aren't spending time with God, what are we doing? What are we doing? Putting on a show. That's what we're doing. We have playing games. Believing in a great Jesus idea Like, that's a great idea, but it's not real in my life. You know, we see in the scriptures people going away to spend time with God. David, who wrote many of the Psalms, we have these Psalms because he had a rich private life with God. He was a shepherd as a boy. And you see that he had these long years of time alone with sheep. And if you study the scriptures and you study history, a lot of great godly leaders spent time alone with sheep or other animals. And that time developed deep, private time with God. You see, Elijah, God took Elijah away a number of times. He was a prophet of the Old Testament to pray and for God to speak to him. Moses, we talked about Moses a couple weeks ago. He'd go up onto the mountain to pray, and he would spend time with God, and he would come down, and his face would glow and radiate with the presence of God. Even though there was more than 3 million people he was responsible for, he still walked away into the presence of God. And all through the New Testament, we see in the Gospels, Jesus, time and again, going away to pray, going away to pray, going away to pray, taking time alone to pray. One of the more famous times that we'll talk about as we get closer to Good Friday, John 17, when he was alone in the garden before he was taken. This pattern of Jesus spending time in prayer. The example he set for us This need to be alone with God. This need to get before God. And a lot of people are like, well, I don't know what to do when I'm alone with God. I don't even know where to begin. And the thing of it is, is that we come into God's presence. We just begin, and we talked about it a couple weeks ago, about entering into the presence of God through praise and through repentance that we begin to worship God. Sing a song. It doesn't matter what you sound like. God doesn't care. He knows you can't sing. He made you that way, right? He didn't give you a bad voice and then say, sing beautifully. He said, make a joyful noise. You know, spend some time singing or worshiping. Spend some time just talking to God about what's going on in your life. Confess your sins and ask God. The scriptures in the Psalms says, search me and know me. Cleanse me. You know, they prayed repentance. Repentance was consistent in the lives of those who sought God. Because the closer we get to God, the more time we spend in his presence, the fact that our secret lives are not so good become clear. And in God's presence, he shines a light on it. We ask him to take these things and to take us deeper and to go further into his presence, to know him more. When Moses said, show me your glory, it's because he had a longing and a desire to for more of God. And we should have that same longing and desire, and that should be part of our day. That every day we should be spending time in prayer. 
Colossians 4 verse 2 says that we are to devote ourselves to prayer. Romans 12, 12 says that we should be persistent or faithful in prayer. Psalm 145, 18 says um, that God is near to all who call on him. Matthew 26, 41 tells us to watch and pray to avoid temptation. That if you're struggling in your life with things, with sin in your life, God will help you with that if we ask him. That he would give us those guards in our lives. You know, you, you've, we've seen patterns in people's lives that we've known and in our own lives. That when we forsake the sacred things in our lives, when we forsake that secret prayer, when we forsake those secret times, at first, maybe you notice. After a little while, your spouse definitely notices. And a little while, everybody notices. Right? Because it's that time with God that resets us. It's that time with God that defines who we are. It's that time with God who helps us to go on and to do the things that God has called us to do. I cannot be a good person on my own at all. Left to my own devices, I'm just going to throw a match. Watch it all burn. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm not a good person on my own. I need God. I needed God to transform me. I need Christ to redeem me. I needed his life to change me, to make me the person he wants me to be. And every day I have to go into that presence because I'm still in process, because there's still more, because there's still things that I'm learning, because I need God in my life, because I want that relationship with him. Psalm 91, I love this psalm. It's a famous psalm. And I encourage you to read it this week. The one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. Another translation says that he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. That secret place, who dwells in the secret place, who goes into that place with God, will abide under the shadow of God's presence that we are called to dwell in God's presence, that we are called to be near him, that we are called to not make God something on our checklist, to not make Sunday our only interaction, to not put on a facade of a relationship, but to have a real relationship with God, which begins and ends with prayer, that time alone, cultivating that with him. Psalm 62, verse 5 tells us to rest in God alone, my soul, my hope comes from him. That in God alone, that's where everything comes from. You know, we struggle with things. We, we fight with things. We fight with ourselves. And we wonder why we're dealing with what we're dealing with. And God is over here saying, if you would just come and be with me, I will give you what you need. You know, many cultures do not have water on tap in their houses. They don't. They still rely on some child or woman to go carry water in every day. And when that bucket runs out, there's no water in the house. So every day they go, sometimes twice a day, and walk, and they fill their jugs with water, and they bring it home, and that's the water for the washing and the cooking and the drinking. And daily they have to go, and they have to refill those buckets, and it's the same with God. You know, we have God in our lives, but we need to go back, and we need to pull more. You know, if you drink old water, okay, I have a problem, and I'm going to confess right now. I have a cup problem. 
Um, I like to fill a cup with water and bring it upstairs at night and then not take it back downstairs <laughs> until there's at least all of them, like all of them. I have these water bottles with straws. So my kids think it's just the worst thing, too. They're like, Mom, why do you have all these cups on your dresser? And I'm talking like six or eight at a time, okay, by the time I'm done. And my youngest daughter likes to climb up there and take the water when she's up there playing because she thinks, oh, it's mom's cup. I'm going to steal something she has. And then she's like, mom, it's so gross because the water's been sitting there for two or three days. And many of us, our relationship with God is like that, that we're, we're trying to run on old water <laughs> rather than going on the new things of God and going to the source. You know, wells, they come from underground springs. They come from the source, and you'll see bottled water that says bottled at the source. And it says that for a reason, because it's fresh, and it's clean, and it's pure, and it tastes better. And God is saying to us today that we, many of us, have forsaken this practice of going and being with God. And some of us have never started, let's be honest. And we need to make that a priority in our lives. That if we are going to have a relationship with God, we need to actually have that relationship with God through prayer. And it begins with just spending that time and sitting down and saying, God, okay, I'm here. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say, but I'm here. I'm in your presence. You know, open your Bible and read the word again this week. Psalm 91. That's your, that's your reading for this week. Read through the psalm. And when you sit down, ask God to speak to you through his word. And I'm sure we're going to have a week talking about the word, so I'm not going to go too much into that. But ask God to speak to you through his word. I can't tell you the number of times that I didn't know what to pray. I'm a pastor. I don't always know what to pray. But I know if I go sit down and I invite God's presence into that time, God's going to meet me. If I ask God to speak to me through his word, he's going to. And often I find myself hearing from the Lord and, and feeling and being transformed in a way that I hadn't anticipated that God shows me things about how much he loves me and about how much I'm worth to him and how much he wants me to know him more. And our relationship grows in those moments, in those secret moments. And I don't, you know, my husband comes home, I don't tell him all about it. I don't. I might make some notes in my notebook for myself so I can go back on a day where I'm having a hard time and say, remember when God spoke to you this? Because it's between me and the Lord. Because at the end of it all, whether I told anybody about all the things that God told me in secret or if I made a list of all the times I prayed and I posted it every time I prayed on Instagram with my Bible and a little cup and like, look, it's prayer time. And there's, that's a really a thing for those of you who don't know. <laughs> whether I do that or not, God doesn't care. God cares that I made that time. And I'm at the end of the day, I, when I get to heaven, I, I want to know him. I just want to know him. I just want to have a real relationship with God. I don't want to stand before God and have him say, I never knew you. Depart from me. Because the scriptures tell us he'll do that. That's my daily prayer, that I would know him and be known by him. That I would know you and be known by you. That I would have a real relationship with God. And that happens through prayer. And so our challenge this week is, like last week we talked about not forsaking coming together. But to ask ourselves these questions, do I intentionally spend time alone in prayer? Do I intentionally spend time alone in prayer? Many of us find ourselves praying, okay? We almost get cut off by car, we pray. <laughs> you know, we run into a bad situation, we pray. But do I intentionally make time in my day to pray? Is my faith only a performance or a ritual for Sundays? 
Is my faith only a performance or a ritual for Sundays? Okay, I think I'm doing enough to be good with God. Okay, we got this. I went to church. Okay, I went twice last month. That's better than the month before where I didn't go at all. And I was engaged a little bit more, and I think I learned something. Um, and I should probably listen to this a little bit more. Maybe I should pray, but I don't know that I have time for that. What's our faith life like when no one is looking? Do we bargain with God? Do we try to make, our, make it so that we're doing just enough? Because I'll tell you, you can't do enough for God. You can't, because he asks for all. Scriptures tell us, he says, I want all of you. I want all of your time. I want everything. That's what God asks of us. And then what steps do I need to take to make secret time with God important? What do we need to do to be intentional about this? What steps do we personally need to take to carve out that time? And honestly, it's like exercise. You just have to do it. And I hate to exercise. I hate it. Oh, my goodness. I hate it. I hate standing in front of the TV while some woman smiles at me and tells me how to move. Okay? <laughs> I, hate, I hate it. I hate exercise. <laughs> I do. I'm just going to be honest. And many of you are sitting here saying, I hate just trying to sit and sort out how to spend time with God. But we ask God to help us. He will help us. Just like when I asked God to help me exercise, he's like, just push the kids in the stroller around town, run errands, walk. I'm like, okay, that I can do. I can do that. And it works. You know, find ways to work it in that God will help you. But ask God to help you pray. The Bible tells us in Matthew 6 as well, the disciples said, teach us to pray, and he gave them the Lord's Prayer. And for some of you, you may need to start with that and just sit down and pray that prayer and ask God to teach you through that prayer. At night, our kids pray, and my one daughter, that's frequently what she prays. She prays the Lord's Prayer because she loves it and she knows it. She's comfortable with it. She likes to have something to say because that's, that's her personality. And, you know, she's learning what prayer is through this. She's learning to engage God. She's learning that God hears her and sees her and wants her to talk to him through this. And we need to do this, and we need to make this a priority. Because without it, we have nothing. We have a facade, nothing real. 